Hey guys, welcome back to The Next Shot. Today we have a very special guest on, one of our favorite conversations that we've had so far in our podcast, Jim Connell. He came on, one of our good friends and members at our club. Uh, he had his son, Griffin, that passed away at the age of seven with a condition where he was born with a cleft airway where he had trouble breathing and things along those lines. So. He started a foundation in his son's name for Griffin Foundation. That's F-O-R-E, Griffin Foundation. So we talked a little bit about the, the foundation today. Some great stories about Jim Griffin, one of Griffin's good friends, Ricky Fowler, and just had a blast with some of the conversations that we had today. So I hope you guys enjoy as much as we did. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, and let us know how you enjoy it. We had a blast with this, so I hope you guys do too. Thank you. Welcome on, cool. Jim. How you doing today? I'm doing great, doing guys. Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Thanks yeah, for swinging on. It's yeah. an honor. This is awesome. Yeah. What's going on? How's your day? You know, not bad. I, uh, I've been doing a ton of traveling lately. Um, it's in Canada last week and in Columbus, Ohio this week, and all over. All over. And, uh, so, you know, work is good. And, uh, you know, the other passions are obviously trying to make time for that. You know, the family yep. and coaching and mm-hmm. obviously golf. Trying to get out and <laughs> hit right. a few balls. How's and, the swing? Uh, Have you been playing much? You know, I played a little bit. I actually played with Mark on um, on Saturday. And um, I shot 71. So <laughs> there you go. Not, bad. 71. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Oh, I kind of out of the blue. And uh, it's in there. I just, you know. <laughs> It just not always doesn't always come out, but but it was a good day. It's good. I hadn't played with Mark in about a year. It's been yeah, a yeah. Well, because you know he was he really wasn't playing much at the end of the summer. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And then he had kind of some you know health issues he wanted to get taken care of, and then just busy time for me in the winter. And yeah, next thing you know, it's ten summer eleven again. months later, yeah. and we haven't played. So wow. so it was good to get back out, Mark. He's great. Yeah, that, that's good. We had him on a couple of weeks ago on here. And that's was, what I understand. It was, some, it was some fun conversation. Oh, yeah. It was a fun conversation. Looking yeah. forward to more today here. Exactly. So when, uh, when you've been going on the travel, you've been taking the sticks at all with you, going to play? You know, the last time I took my clubs uh, was about a month ago, and I thought I might be able to play my, the destination I was heading to. I got back, and a couple of days later, I was going to come over to Camelback and hit some balls open up the bag and my head cover my driver head cover was at the bottom of the bag and i thought oh that's wild they must have taken it off and i grabbed it and the entire head was in there the head snap off so yeah and the entire bag was cracked and so something major happened to the bag oh wow um so i've kind of been without my real driver yeah i had to pull out an old one and um so to answer your question no i've really not (laughs) been playing much on the road although i did make it up to the bmw nice so was I was that? there all four days. It was a little demoralizing to tell you the was truth. It? Having was played, uh, having played Medina that many times and uh-huh. see the scores that they were throwing out there, it was just insane. Did you notice course setup was way different than what, not, like on not, average? No, like, not not tremendously. I mean, you know, they're, number three gets a lot of play because that's the one everyone wants to play. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got three courses there, and they're all great, um, but they had shut it down to. Uh, non-member play about three and a half weeks before and then shut it all down 10 days before and so you know it was immaculate oh, yeah. but the greens were just so soft that the guys were just throwing darts yeah very receptive it was yeah. getting a lot of rain over there wasn't it It did yeah. it did and um 
then the fairways were equally soft, and so that made them a lot that much wider. Mm-hmm. And you know, fourteen is a six hundred ten yard par five, and the tee shot you know lands into a hill, so it's not like it really runs out. You know, and guys like Webb Simpson and others, they were getting home in two. Really? You know, really? and so the ball was just jumping and they were throwing darts. And so it was just, it was unreal yeah, just to see clubs. He's, yeah, he, you don't yeah, think of him as being. Webb is what, 285? Yeah, yeah, on average. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, not, like, not going to put, put no, it no, on 315. No, no, exactly. Really, especially if he's driving into a hill. Right. So <laughs> anyway, it was it was pretty remarkable just to see. Just to see how far yeah, the different scores Yeah, constantly. Cameron Champ hit a four iron into it. Really? Yeah. It was it was nuts. That's asinine. So that's, yeah, that's I mean so that kid long. just blisters the ball. He really does. He's, that's that's insane. Yeah, that's a yeah. totally so, different. So level. it was great to you know it was really kind of neat to see, um, you know the best playing a course that I've played a lot yeah. and uh, just seeing where they hit it and then following up with being some, some same spots similar situations. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it was neat and it's uh, awesome. So yeah, the little travel, not a lot of golf travel though. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Anything but, coming up for you for golf? You know, um, nothing major, although I am going to try to get uh, down to Orlando and play a couple rounds, um, a few connections down there. And um, so that'd be fun because it's not a place I've really played a lot of golf in. And Yeah, know. Florida, I've just been yeah. Sarasota area. Yeah. So, not too uh, much down there. So we got connections to maybe play uh, Isleworth and Lake Nona and Orlando Country Club and a couple places. A couple be, good ones. Yeah, yeah, places that otherwise wouldn't get a chance to do. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. What's there your you favorite go. course you played? Um, I tell people, you know, I mean, I've had a ton of opportunity to play some really, really great courses, but just in terms of the climate, the location, the layout, destination, I still keep going back to the Ocean Course at Cabo del Sol. In, uh, in Cabo, and, Cabo, uh, yeah, and I just think I just think it's unbelievable, um, you know, the layout, and you know, it's desert climate. It's basically like to me, it's like Arizona, but you're yeah. in the you know the Gulf and the or sorry the um, Sea of Cortez, and it's pretty spectacular. So, but um, yeah, there's a bunch of great places, that's for sure. I got to play the International a number of years ago, another Nicholas course, and um, I just couldn't believe how impeccable it was. It was just, you know, perfect up in, you know, in Castle Rock, Colorado. So, so I played some, you know, some good ones. Some haven't good hit ones. all the, haven't hit all the, you know, <laughs> yeah. top hundred, but, um, and, and Cypress, some Cypress points and haven't stuff. Haven't been there. Haven't yeah, been, to Cypress, the best, been driven by it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's good. The probably best manicure course we played is Pronghorn. Yeah. Pronghorn oh, was yeah, up there. Yeah, up, yeah. Up, in, up in Oregon. Oregon, Oregon area. Yeah. It's just not was, a blade of grass. That wasn't even the, right. the full oh. private side. That was the no. Nicholas course. They have the Fazio up there too. That that was at that point in time. This is in two thousand nine. That was completely membership. Yeah. And the Nicholas course, there wasn't a blade of grass. That yeah, was out of I mean, place. it's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. You get and so what's interesting. So I mentioned Cabo del Sol, Nicholas course, International Nicholas, Nicholas course, course. Bronghorn, another Nicholas so, course. Obviously, Jack's not out there mowing. Do you know well you're a lefty? So do you have a draw off the tee? Well, the draw turns into a hook, a unfortunately. Hook, yes, but <laughs> I am Nicholas, a left to right player. Yeah, I know Nicholas it. likes those left to rights. Exactly, that's, exactly. And so maybe there's something to that. Something, yeah, could be something to that. That was another good one back in Michigan. The Bear. Did you ever play the Bear? No, um, I haven't. Grand Travers up north, right? Mm-hmm. Grand Travers Resort, uh, Traverse City. 
it's in one of the hardest golf courses in the state of Michigan. They held held the Michigan Open there all the time when I was growing up, and we went and watched the guy work for him, Ian, go play, and that thing was just brutal. Just beat it up. Oh yeah. man, yeah, it was a tough golf course. I'm actually flying into Traverse City uh, on the 11th. Oh nice. And I'm going. To, one of my colleagues, he is hosting a fundraiser for Mott's Children. Okay. The university, the, the children's hospital at University of Michigan. And, um, of course, we have a tie to that with, mm-hmm. with our son. And um, so I'm flying into Traverse City, and he's hosting it up at uh, his place at Lake Charlevoix, which is oh, like an awesome. hour from there. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. That's so I'll be up there, yeah, for the first time. And I won't bring my clubs, but unfortunately. But, yeah, yeah. I'll be, be back up in there. Oh, it's so, so beautiful yeah. up there. So going to the foundation, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Four Griffin Foundation yeah. that you guys started for, obviously, yeah. Griffin. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and kind uh, of the story behind that a little bit. And Yeah, you know um, – pretty remarkable you know so my wife and i have five kids and uh, as you guys know our, our son griffin our middle child um, passed away a couple of years ago now um and you know when griffin was born it was it was wild because you know you have two healthy kids at home and then mm-hmm. you know you go to the hospital and you've got this anticipation of another child and you know you're kind of like adding to the team and um Griffin was born and and he had uh, a very very hoarse cry and it was something the doctors weren't overly concerned about because he was a big healthy kid and he was you know breathing fine and and they they kind of not didn't dismiss it because they did send him to intensive care just for observation but then you know a day and a half later they told us that look your son has this you know one in some crazy number defect of his oh, airway uh-huh. and um, that he's got about a ten percent chance to live. And, you know, it was like, even to this day, I mean, it's, it's just almost hard to even comprehend. Yeah. Yeah. So, but through that, um, you know, you, you, you start to worry like, well, geez, you know, is, uh, he's got these, these airway issues and what's that going to manifest into and what kind of kid, what kind of challenges will he have? And, you know, you quickly understand like these, these kids, they don't really, un- they don't know what it's like not to fight, you know, cause they just have this sense of, you know, just, just courage and, you know, just an unwavering commitment to just every day, you yeah. know, and just yeah. kind of living in the moment. And uh, so through that journey, you know, I would spend a lot of time at the hospital, especially on the weekend. And so I'd get him out of the bed and put him on my lap and we'd watch golf. And we would, you know, almost every weekend. He spent the full first year of his life in the hospital. Wow. And um, he came home for Christmas for, I guess, about, you know, two weeks. Um, but, but otherwise he was yeah. in the hospital the entire time. So we'd watch golf, and again, I mean, he's you know a year old, and maybe that's bad parenting, putting a kid in front of a TV all the time. But <laughs> now, now you got no, no, he was, everything like yeah, that. Yeah, like, exactly. I think you're doing so all right. Yeah, all right. Fast forward, and he was uh, about just probably just under two years old, and I would turn golf on at home, and he would just be mesmerized. You know, would would sit and he would clap and he would you know point out different players. And he would discern between a shot in the fairway or the rough or like a hole out. And Griffin never spoke, but he, he was a great communicator because cognitively he was, you know, uh, on, on par on with his age. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. so he mm-hmm. had no delays in that regard. And so he would, you know, um, make a sign for birdie or, you know, eagle or, you know, wh- whatever, it, whatever it took place. And so he was just so into golf. Yeah. You know, it was really neat. And then about a year later – he, he started to walk when he was three okay. because he was just so delayed, you know, physically uh-huh. uh, yeah. just being in the hospital so much. I came home and 
turn the TV on and I was checking out the DVR and I see, you know, all of these golf shows that were DVR'd. And I was thinking, you know, my father-in-law and mother-in-law had been in town. It was before they owned their own house in, in Scottsdale. And, and um, I thought, well, that's odd. My father-in-law's into golf, but he wouldn't be DVR and all these shows. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I thought, well, maybe I had it set for some reason, and that wasn't the case. And then my wife, tell, Amy, tells me that, no, Griffin's been watching Michael Breed, The Golf Fix. Um, he Any show, he would record All it. those, that's awesome. Martin Hall. And, oh, yeah, yeah just love it. Especially in, in you know, all their goofy <laughs> swing aids and everything. Yeah. He, um, you know... Michael Breed is a big titleist guy, and so he would show, like, have different boxes of balls. And so Griffin would want to make sure he had, like, a, a, a box of, you know, my balls, uh, you know, whether Pro V1X or Pro V1s or whatever. And so he would get all this stuff and line them up in his room. He'd ask for a pool noodle because that was one of his, like, you know, swing <laughs> one of, Yeah, he's got everything. PVC these, pipes. Exactly. Pool That's noodles. Awesome. Martin or Michael Breed, he, he makes everything. It's exactly. So yeah. He's very, very creative. And, uh so I knew, you know, Griffin had a real passion for golf. Um, so much so that I, I know my wife would, would, uh, would tell this story if she was here, but I still putt with that same ghost, you know, that, that I, I, lo- I love that, that white tailor-made putter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, Griffin would go out in the garage and pull it out of my bag every now and again. And he'd, you know, drag it around. And so one day I'm like, well, you know, I better get it because it's kind of the gamer. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one we got in the bag. He's not going to miss it, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. so if I take it, I get a call from Amy at like 11 a.m. And she's like, did you take your putter with you? It's like, well, yeah, well, I did, you know. And Griffin was like at home. He was furious yeah. that the putter wasn't there because he wanted <laughs> to go out to, yeah, exactly. yeah. He go to our putting green and do all that stuff. And so. Um, anyway, so Griffin had just an amazing, you know, passion for golf. And, uh, you know, as you guys know, that led us to some really, really kind of interesting, unbelievable chance encounters with some various golfers. And of course, you know, Ricky was, um, just a, a great friend of Griffin's and always went out of his way to, whether to take him out to the driving range with them or just stay in touch with them all year. I mean, he and his caddy, Joe, who lives here. I mean, they were just incredible and, and continue to be, uh, you know, to our family. Uh, so when Griffin passed, you know, we, we thought, look, we want to do something golf related. Yeah. We yeah. want to continue to keep Griffin's legacy alive. Uh, we want to help others that were kind of, you know, in a similar situation to ours where, you know, our family, we, we used to do a lot, um, travel and social and and then you, all of a sudden you've got a medically dependent child and you really can't do that stuff you know sure. I mean, we couldn't mm-hmm. go to dinner as a family because griffin had to be home and and so it just really was a, a big change for us and what we learned was that you know it's the, the 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 memories that mean so much and the experiences you can you know have together so if that's you know me sitting in front of the tv with griffin watching golf or going out to camelback and you know chipping for chipping an hour or whatever mm-hmm. yeah any of that stuff that means so much more to families, you know, just in general. And so, you know, we, we started the foundation to help uh, support the medical community, help families um, with, with some of their challenges, whether it's, you know, providing opportunities to make memories or, you know, even supporting them in other ways. Um, and then, you know, just trying to keep Griffin's legacy alive. For sure. So we started the foundation at the beginning of the year and, um, you know, just thought maybe at the first year if we got, you know, eight or nine foursomes together for a tournament and have a silent auction and just do a little bit. Time and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. We obviously, we, it was a we huge, sold, it was yeah, a solid we, 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 we sold out, we sold out the, the golf tournament. We had to, you know, turn some people away at the end. 
Um, we had over 200 people at the silent auction. We ended up, you know, raising over 170 grand. Dix, um, it was, was in March. That's and right. You guys started the foundation in the end fall, of January. Right? Yeah, okay. January. And in January, like it, yeah. it just went exactly. It went so exactly. fast. Exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So it's it's neat because we've been able to since you know host a couple events um, with uh, a number of families that have kids in medical conditions and um, been able to you know help support both Phoenix Children's and Mott's in, in Michigan where Griffin spent about four months. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we kind of think it's just tip of the iceberg. We're we're actually working on some things both um, you know at the kind of I'm. I'm not going to say with the PGA tour, cause that's, that's not a good representation, but we kind of have an idea that, you know, we want to try to, um, provide an experience for kids that is, you know, what they would maybe experience if they were on the PGA tour and uh, oh, get cool. some people oh, involved. Cool. And, you know, cool. again, it's not like it's a day long thing, but just yeah. to incorporate. And so we've had some discussions around it and, you know, we're excited. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not like we have a paid staff. It's just, you know, our it's family, family and, my my two cousins Kevin and Sean, you know they're they're both on the board and um, and Joe Scaverin, uh, you know Ricky's uh, caddy, um, he's helped us out tremendously and helped us out with a lot of the you know just the the overall approach and and um, you know a ton of people have been you know great to us in that regard and and so it's it's exciting to think about how we can just you know keep Griffin's legacy alive for sure. And, and help some people along the way. Yeah, sort of continue to give yeah. back and continue to live in that present. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, kind of. I mean. I, I, I can remember so many times where, where Griffin was literally like on the verge of going to the hospital or hoping we could keep him at home. You know, it's like, we, should we take him to the emergency room or not? And, um, you know, the thing a lot of times that would keep him there is, you know, he'd turn on YouTube and watch highlights of Ricky or yeah. he would, you know, we would do something golf related or just to, you know, I mean, that's something he looked forward to yeah. every day. And so it's such a big part of our family's life, you know, and, and it's not that any of us are, you know, great tournament players or anything yeah. else, but it's just a, it's an amazing tie, really. Yeah, yeah it's unreal. Um, it's incredible yeah. how he's so passionate at a young age. I know. I know. That's, <laughs> you can that's, see that's this. really cool. When was the first time then did he meet Ricky at the Phoenix Open? Yeah, yeah. So it was at the Phoenix Open, and I, I want to say it was 2013 or 2014. I can't recall the date. It might be early. I think it was 2014 now I'm thinking about it. And um, he was finally well enough to go for us to take him go out. outside yeah, and stuff, yeah. Yeah, be mm-hmm. out there. And so Amy and I took him over. It was a Tuesday morning, um, you know, a practice round day. Mm-hmm. And we had no idea who was going to be there. I mean, it wasn't like we were on a mission. We just wanted to take him out there. Yeah, experience and just kinda, it, exactly. kind of first golf That's event. Yep. Yeah. And um, I remember driving there. And making the short drive, and I told Amy, I said, you know, this may be problematic because Griffin's going to see all the staff bags out (laughs) there, you know, on Tuesday because they've got all the, the, you know, Titleist and everybody has all their stuff out there for people to try. and Yeah, Yeah, putters and stuff, shafts. And Griffin's going to see this, and he's kind of like, he was a golf snob. You know, like he would, would, it had to be like Titleist or TaylorMade, and otherwise he wasn't interested. He's not touching it. (laughs) And um, so I said, you know, it could be a problem, but... You know, he'll he'll enjoy it no matter what. So sure enough, we go out there and he sees the putting green and he's like, "Yeah, I want on the putting green. Like I'm going there to play." Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. you know? And we're like trying to reason with him, and it's like, "Hey, you can't go out there, dude." And so, just by chance, this um, this this lady saw us and uh, she said, "You know," she's like, "Just let him out there. He's not going to hurt anything." And we're like, "On the putting green, like you know." Yeah. And, and and she said, "Yeah, he's he, let him out there. He's going to be fine." 
So we walk out there, and I kid you not, the first person that he finds and walks up to is Brian Harmon. You know, the little oh, yeah. lefty? Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> like, most people aren't going to pick out Brian Harmon. No. Fine. But he wanted to go find Brian Harmon because not only did he know who he was and that he was a lefty, because Griffin was a lefty, yep. but he used that same white ghost spider putter <laughs> that I did. so funny. That's and so awesome. I've got some great pictures. He walked right over to Brian Harmon, and, you know, I think it was a lot to take in. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, he was just an absolute – you that's know, so cool junkie like that <laughs> and so we were out on the green and um amanda balionis now of cbs she was with pga tour she came over and introduced herself of course i knew who she was because i would watch the pga championship at work you know stream yep. it online yeah, and uh-huh. she and you know some of the other guys that are that are you recognize their voices so that's who i i i just i recognized her and so, you know, that was um, – we, we met some other people. Brian Urlacher was out there. Of course, Griffin's a big Bears fan because, you know, we're from Chicago originally and uh, so on and so forth. I mean, he was hanging out with Paul Goldschmidt and Max Scherzer. And I've got this picture. <laughs> and the number of people standing around Griffin was hilarious. It was like Justin Upton, Urlacher, Scherzer, Goldschmidt, um, Eddie Johnson of the Suns was there. I mean, it was, it was crazy, awesome. you know? So, and so Griffin cool. was just taking it in. He wants to go and, roll some uh, putts. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the ghost had, putter. He had Erlacher's uh, uh, long putter. And, you know, it was, you know, things like, you know, probably 40 inches long or, 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 or more, actually. 45, probably. And so he's out there whacking it around. And Amy and I were talking to some friends that we saw. The next thing you know, a bunch of cameras were running around. And here, Ricky had come out to the putting green saw Griffin, Griffin saw him, and Griffin ran right over to him like he was his long-lost buddy. And, you know, they just kind of hung out. And um, so about 15, 20 minutes later, Ricky approached Amy and I and said, hey, we're having an a event for our family and friends, or a sponsor event over at Topgolf. Um, can you guys make it over? And, you know, I mean, part of me was like, you know, I'm not sure if Griffin can, but I'll, yeah. know, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there yeah, for yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, no. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, it was it was a very very nice gesture, and so we went over there and that night, and um, Ricky had a stack of hats for for Griffin, like That's his own so cool. personal yeah. stash. For actually, Cameron came along as well, but um, you know, had his you know Twitter, it had all the you know the, yeah. the, all the, the stuff, stuff. Yeah. yeah, and that was and so, 2014, so it was all the flat bill craze, exactly. and like yeah. and exactly. Ricky was wearing all the colors, still kept the hair pretty long. You got it. Time. You got it. Although he, he was he was kind of high and tight then. He was, was it? Yeah, is yeah, that yeah, what I was? Cut the hair. Yeah, <laughs> starting uh, to change. Exactly. But um, yeah. And on the way home, I got a text and uh, from his uh, agent and said that Ricky had left uh, tickets for the week for our family, so cool. and um, we caught up with him. You know, we just kind of walked um, every day, and and that that's what Griffin loved. He loved going out there and just walking around and or you know just following along with everybody and uh, so that's when we first met and then you know we just he just stayed in touch with with griffin all the time and uh, it was it's it was really neat and i tell people i'm like you know we think the world of ricky and we think yeah. the world of joe and we've gotten to know joe very well we got to know ricky's family and they're they're all wonderful people but you know i tell people i'm like you know it's really griffin and ricky were were friends like you best know friends, I mean, yeah. yeah they were the buddy you know buddies and uh um so, uh, you know, that was, it was just always really, really, you know, great to, to think about. And so even, you know, at the BMW, um, you know, our family, we were up there. And, you know, of course, we, we want to walk around and support Ricky. Yeah. You know, and, 
I'm um, just always very, very grateful. Mm. And, this uh, year that he won, right? Or is it he won. Before? He won waste management this year. This year, right? Yeah. yeah. And that was that was really, really uh, special as well because you know the year before he, wore he the, had wore the, pen, the, the pen. picture of Griffin <laughs> on his hat, and he was leading going into Sunday, and then you know his putter kind of left him on the back nine. He was right in it all day. Yeah, yeah it was even like to sixteen or seventeen. It's always it always comes down. To like yeah, the last yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, right. Mm-hmm. It, it just you know it was one of those things where you know it didn't happen, and mm-hmm. uh, um, again we were. We were just so grateful for him thinking of Griffin, let alone, you know, the all the publicity it got. And um, and so, you know, just kind of stay in touch and just just show our support. But then this past year when he won, and, and we had given Ricky and Joe before the tournament these yardage book covers. Yeah. Uh, similar to the ones we handed out at the foundation event, but it had the four Griffin Foundation on it. And we just had written a note to both of them just saying, hey, you know, we're just so appreciative of your support and always recognizing Griffin and the friendship, and it meant so much to him. And um, and uh, so there was no expectation that they were going to use them or anything else. So it was just more of a sure, gesture yeah. of, hey, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we think the world of you guys. And then um, sure enough, they both put them in, you know, in play that week. And uh, so they had the, the orange uh, yardage book covers. So on 18, he's walking up, and uh, I looked down at my phone, and I literally had like 75 texts oh, on geez. my phone. You know, and I was like, you know, I, I don't get yeah. 75 texts in you know a month. Yeah, you know? you're like, what's going on? <laughs> exactly. And so I'm getting all these texts from friends from around the country, yeah. saying, hey, they just showed a picture of the foundation logo on tv and they were talking about ricky's relationship with griffin and so part of me is i was almost embarrassed because i'm like geez i hope people don't think that i went to nbc or something and say hey oh, look, sure. look at yeah. us you know mm-hmm. so anyway ricky ends up winning and uh on the the putting they they were kind enough to we, we took pictures with him and the trophy and you know it was, it was it was really neat just to be a little bit a little part of that and so i i remember mentioning to joe I said, hey, I said, I just I feel compelled to let you know that I got all these texts about NBC making a big deal of this. And he kind of laughed. He said, yeah, Dan Hicks from NBC apparently approached them beforehand. CBS would have had the coverage a year before. And so they knew about the story but didn't have any details on it. And yeah, so they okay. were asking, kind of doing their homework yep. in the mm-hmm. event that Ricky won. Um, but that was just a really, really special day, you know, all the way around. And we were so happy for him and – um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but his dad had never seen him win a PGA Tour event. I didn't know that. No, yeah. I didn't know that either. Nor no. had his grandparents. And, and his grandfather is the one who really, you know, introduced him to the game. Yeah. And would take him as a young kid to the driving range and over in Murrieta. And um, so again, we've we've you know you know we've gotten to know the, their, the family. their family exactly. Yeah. And I don't say this in a boastful way, but just in a very proud way of that, you know, they're all such wonderful people that it was just neat to see them, you know, yeah. kind of sharing in that excitement. And then when Ricky actually um, accepted the trophy after the network coverage went off, he, um, you know, he mentioned to the Thunderbirds about them recognizing Jared Lyle. He, they had his bag on the 16th, you know, mm-hmm. who had passed away uh-huh. from leukemia. Yeah. Yeah. And then he also mentioned Griffin because, you know, he had made that triple bogey on – yeah, he in the water. Exactly. Yeah. And then the drop the fell in yep. and the whole mm-hmm. thing. And he went from being up five to tied. And, I mean, it was just crazy. There's so much stuff that going on. That was yeah. all I was I, thinking about, I, too, I, at that point in time. I was like, right. man, just please don't let this happen again. Exactly. they did something similar the year before, I think. 
it was on 17, well, with, wasn't with it? Well, with Matsuyama, the, yeah. the, right, right. And that, that year, that, yeah, Griffin was still with us then. But, yeah, I mean, I was just, he I was, was up, like, up two. And, yeah. you know, it was a three-shot swing or something. And You don't see it uh, in his body language at that oh, point yeah, in time, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, He's yeah. like, not again. Come yeah. on now. But um, he mentioned in his acceptance comments that he said, you know, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, he's like, look, I, I want to win tournaments. But at the same time, he said, you know, when things get tough, he said, I think about Jared Lyle. And, you know, he had, again, commented to the to the Thunderbirds how it was great that they honored him and put his bag up there in 16. And then he said, I, then I think about my friend Griffin, who, you know, we lost a year ago. And um, he said, because, you know, while I want to win, if I come in second or third or fourth, you know, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's there's bigger things in life. And so, yeah, I just always think about it. I'm like, geez, like, you know, when I was – you know, in the late twenties or something, I don't think I'd have that perspective. You oh know? yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, pretty you know pretty heady and mature. And so to think that, you know, Griffin had an impact on Ricky and, and others For the sure. way he did is you know it's it's um, it's, quite it's amazing. humbling. Mm-hmm. It's it's heartwarming. It's uh, it's it's you know it's a real honor. So so that's you know all those things are kind of the reason that we wanted to do something for, for sure. the foundation. And I, I laughed. I told some people that. You know, like, hey, we're not going to be confused for the the Gates Foundation anytime soon. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. We're not, not, not going to you know be given billion dollar gifts or anything. But but I also learned you through all know. this that it's not about you know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's yeah. just like making an impact and being able to help people. And so so yeah, we're excited. Yeah. And um, you know, again, it's a good tie back to our love of golf as a family, and and the kids all the other kids all enjoy it. You know, and. Uh, um, so it's, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm really excited. I think we're all really excited to see what the future holds with the Fort yeah. Griffin foundation. Yeah. That's very, That's, very cool. Yeah. I'm pumped for the family and for the foundation yeah. and everything about it. Cause like you said, it's not about the amount of money that it brings in or anything like that. If you help one person, it's well worth it. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We hosted, um, um, have you ever been over to the glow golf uh, place on like 92nd and Shea? It's, I've got my haircut over there. Okay. So, <laughs> so I know where, I know where you're going to talk Jim, about. There's a barber Jim right Balseri there. Jim yeah. is the owner, he and his wife okay. and Jim and Craig Bunker are, have known each other forever. Yeah. And, um, that was one of Griffin's favorite places to go. Like if oh, we really? would ask yeah. him, you know, like, Hey, where do you want to go? He'd want to go to the glow putt place, yeah. and especially in the summer. So we hosted an event, and uh, I think there were about 75 people and um, families with kids with, you know, significant medical challenges or some were wheelchair-bound. And, um, you know, we got we, – we hosted a, an event there just, just for the, those families and just, again, an opportunity for them to go do something as a family, you know, because it's uh-huh. tough just to go to a movie or yeah. go somewhere that we all, you know, think nothing of. And, you know, we got some great notes. Again, it wasn't anything major, but we got some great notes just from families how, you know, such a great break just to get out of the daily grind mm-hmm. and to take the kids out and be able to do something as a family. And so to your point, it's like, you know, things like that, yeah. it's not about money. It's just about, you know, being, having a vehicle through which you can, you know, give back give and help back, others. Give back, help, yep, yeah. help other families. Yeah. So It's crazy how much we take for granted. And then that, oh, it's unreal. And we take that away and it's like, oh, man, like. My sister's an occupational therapist, so she literally helps people relearn how to brush their teeth. And, like, exactly. it's yeah. just take basic that stuff things that yeah. we do That's every right. day. We That's take right. that for granted yep. all yep. the time. And it, uh, you know, it could change in a heartbeat for sure. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a, it's been quite a journey, yeah. you know, and you think about it. And we, we miss Griffin, obviously, uh, more than, than I can even uh, begin to articulate. But he left us with, you know, amazing gifts, 
you know, and in perspective. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're, we're very thankful of that yeah. you know, in, in a way. And, uh, so, uh, so yeah, so to your point, I, I think we're, we're all very excited about the foundation yeah. and just being able to touch lives and give back. And, and, uh, and I think a lot of people were obviously by the turnout, you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it was, it was quite, it was a compelling story. And you guys and are wanted to be trying to do both courses next year. Yeah, that's back, the, right? that's the idea. And, um, we, uh, I've been, been talking to Mike about that and I think we're, we're, we're narrowing in not only on a date, but kind of a format and uh, Mike's been a huge help and, and Philippa was as well before that, yeah. obviously. Um, it was, she was transitioning as we were kind of getting, getting through and Mike was coming in, but, uh, it came off great. And I remember, um, sending a note to, uh, Aaron, um, you know, our superintendent, yeah. and, uh, the, the staff and, and the, all the ground staff and just saying how, you know, we had, we had people come in that were members at, you know, Oak Hill, uh, Butler, Medina, I mean, other places. And they all just left saying like, I can't believe how great Aviante is. Yeah. I mean, they that's just, awesome they, they all left. Yeah, I mean, unsolicited, so yeah. unsolicited. They're like, it's incredible. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. A couple of guys. That's going to be are, huge. I mean, even just for the facility, that yeah. foundation is going to be big for the facility yeah, well, in the long yeah, run we, too. Like, yeah, we hope so. Having yeah. those type of people come in and see yeah, it and give right. those type of words. With, like you said, unsolicited. Yeah. And for a golf course, it's pretty well unknown Absolutely. at this point yeah. in time. Yeah, compared to where all these other people are coming from. Yeah, you know, those, exactly. Those top-notch courses and clubs. And obviously having this in March when you have, we have so many ties to the Midwest and the East Coast, you know, you say, hey, would you want to come to Scottsdale <laughs> for, you know, a long weekend in, in, in March? In March. <laughs> like, all right, yeah. Exactly. It's, uh, it's time to get it's, out of the winter. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's definitely a, a, a perk for sure. And uh, uh, But, yeah, I mean, the – just the, the whole facility has just been so perfect for it. And so we're kind of excited to do year two. Yeah. yeah it's going to be make, awesome. Make it grow some more. Did you, was there a clinic that you guys did over at McCormick or is that something? Yeah. So, um, and you guys probably know Scott Sackett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, Scott's been a great friend of mine for years. When I first moved down here, um, I, I tell Scott, when I first got into golf around the year 2000, um, I'd always kind of sworn the game off like as a, as a kid, cause a, I didn't grow up in a country club environment at all. Yeah. Um, and my parents were more than supportive of trying all different kinds of sports. And anytime they say, hey, do you want to try golf? I mean, candidly, the only people that I knew that golf were the people that didn't play any other sports, you know? And, right. and, and then I, too, I mean, if I really am honest, I was probably a little intimidated because it wasn't like at the time it wasn't, I didn't correlate it to athleticism. You yeah. know, it was like a more of a skill that you went out and did and it seemed more elitist to me. And, Anyway, for all those reasons, I had never golfed. And then I got into golf around 2000 when a... Tiger effect. Well, it's funny. <laughs> Not quite there, year, but almost it did put yeah. it more on the map. But um, a good friend of mine from childhood, um, she was getting married. And we went to college together. And her husband, um, for the bachelor party, the prerequisite, everyone had to golf. So okay, whether you sure. golfed or not, you had to you golf. You got to do it. <laughs> And so I'm like, well, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, it's yeah. a social deal. And I had to borrow clubs from a coworker. You know, I was being left-handed, borrowed clubs, and had no idea what to expect. And I went out. You know, I grew up playing baseball, and I pitched. And so, you know, I mean, there were a lot of movements. Yeah, that, some, rot- yeah. some rotational sport right, background. Yeah, right. yeah. And so I hit a couple good shots, and I was like, oh, I get it now. You're, like, now, you're hooked. hooked. Yeah. 
And then I, I think I may have shared this with you guys, but I would definitely be considered like a gym rat in basketball. So like if I could go into a gym somewhere and just shoot on my own or work on stuff, I mean, I, I love that. Um, and so the range for me is like, you know, heaven. Yeah, because it's like, like, gym, man, like I could yeah. just stand there and work on different things and see cause and effect and, you know, just all about it. And so I definitely got hooked. Well, where I was going with it is, there was a there was a show that would come on Sunday mornings. It was on USA, and I forget it was like it was some PGA Tour type of show. And I guarantee, I mean, I think I remember Sunday that. morning at was like nine a.m. Was there like a ball that entered a hole like <sighs> like a late like an early two thousands late nineties type? Yeah, and it was um, I, I forget the name I of can't the, remember, but I know I think I know the, what you're talking about. There, it was, there like was a golf channel. The host, the host that. Golf Channel was going on because I think that was mid '90s, but this show was it was it was a good production. I mean, like it you know, it was it was legit. Golf Channel, yeah, right? It's true. It's true. A bit of it, but it was it was really good. But I remember watching it, and Scott would contribute frequently. Like he okay. would be on yeah. in the studio, so I didn't know Scott at the time, obviously. But I, you know, just made note. Oh, Scott Sackett, and then I'd see him in Golf Magazine. So anyway, I moved down here in '05. And I would go over, before I was a member of Camelback, I'd go over to McCormick, okay. and I'd hit balls. And I'd hit balls all the time. And then here I see Scott teaching on the range. And I was like, wait a minute, that's Scott Sackett. I'm like, I thought he was a Florida guy. I didn't even know. And he said, here, come and find out. So took a lesson from him one time. Really liked kind of what the, the approach he was taking. And, you know, again, I was married, no kids. And so that was kind of my only hobby and, you know, Had passion. Had some free time. Right, yeah. Exactly. So I worked with him all the time, and he helped me out tremendously. And so a few years later, he uh, is getting married, asked me to be in his wedding, which is oh, a wow. tremendous honor. Um, and he and I have been great friends, you know, ever since. Yeah, since then. So Griffin was born. Scott was doing some leadership work, some leadership development work. And I remember it was my 40th birthday, and he, he called me, or he was at our house, and he said, hey, it's like, I would like to do something to give back. And he said, if I could be anybody for a day, he said, I would love to be Larry Fitzgerald handing out teddy bears at Phoenix Children's Hospital. And so he had this idea about doing some kind of a clinic. And so we met over at the Starbucks at, at Indian Bend, and we, he was telling me about kind of what he would like to do. And, um, and they said, well, geez, you know, because he knew I had a tie to Phoenix Children's with, with Griffin. He said, well, let's get some either current or previous you know alumni patients out there and we'll get 50 kids and we'll have a clinic you know it's not a golf outing but just invite them out experience the game and do some things and so you know some ideas went on and then we went down and met with the foundation they said oh you know hey that's a great idea but what if you could raise fifty thousand dollars around it and we're like whoa that's you know yeah whoa uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's you know different <laughs> it was like yeah. no let's think about that and so we kind of went through some different ideas and um the first year you know, a number of Scott's clients stepped up and then I had reached out to a number of, you know, people that I knew. And, and I, I don't know, I can't remember the first year if we raised like $25,000 or something. And year two, we raised, you know, $30,000. And this past year, through the help of the, the foundation and then all the work that Scott's doing, um, we raised um, uh, over $75,000. Oh, wow. And so it's just increased every year. And we've had around 40 or 50 kids. And Scott's invited out, you know, a number of, um, you know, local folks. In fact, that's where I first met John Stelschmidt yeah. because yeah, John, John worked for Scott yeah. when he first got in yep. the business. Mm -hmm. 
but you know Stan Utley and Paul Trittler and Tyler Hall and I mean just a number of folks that have you know been instructors over there and it's a couple hours in the afternoon and um, that's that was that was really neat you know and it has been and would continue to be and so it's you know that's always kind of been Scott's baby and his vision and so we're honored to support that and now that we have the the foundation it's a vehicle through which we can you know kind of work together kind of that's right that's it, yeah. well yeah and, and I and I mentioned to Scott when we were talking about the foundation the last thing I wanted to do was to suggest that hey Scott we want to go our own direction because you know I, I said you know I view this as a complementary effort you For know sure. and not when we didn't want to you know pull from one another's resources and so that's why we you know, wanted to continue to give Scott our full support with that event because that's unique and it's, a, it's something different. A great, yeah, exactly. It's very cool. And then with the foundation, you know, it's again, it's it's you know similar but different, and um, so they all have, they each have their own purpose, and um, you know, we're we're really excited to be together and you know with with both of them. So so yeah, that that's kind of you know looking back, it's it's kind of neat how it was you know Scott's idea and he had this notion that hey it'd be great to be able to give back and so that that's been inspiring for us too to see that you know you see people coming together and and um you know people feel good about it i mean it does kind of restore your faith in humanity that, right you know, people do <laughs> truly at the end of the day they 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 want to they want to give back whether they're it's their time or talent or in some cases their financial support you know just helping others you know and and so uh that's yeah it's it's, it's been great that's it's awesome been great yeah in a unique event at that so, yeah, it does build your faith in humanity. There's so many, so much more good than there is bad out there. Oh yeah, you just hear so much more of the yeah. bad, and yeah. you don't get the that. bad's easy to see. Yeah, yeah it's it is, everywhere. and it's easy to sensationalize. And uh, I mean, you know, it. You mentioned your sister, who's a, mm, occupational, a occupational therapist, and um, um, you know, I think about the doctors that help these kids every day, or, yeah. or just people in general. And you quickly start to learn that, you know, these people that, whether you're a doctor or a nurse or, you know, some kind of caregiver, I mean, they're doing it because they care. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's something that they feel that they're good at and so they excel. And so, you know, that was, to me, the first thing that I noticed of being at the hospital so much is that, you know, these doctors are not doing this for money because, I mean, they are given their time and their, you know, their schedule is, you know, beholden to whoever they're taking whoever care they're, of yep mm-hmm. and it's just remarkable that we have people like that that have the you know not only the ability you know the cognitive ability and the the, the intellect to do that but then that they're that selfless that they're going to give up you know not only the time when you know, i think about stuff i was doing post-college i mean it certainly wasn't you know you know trying to become a doctor you know and uh, i was working hard and everything but it's like Mm -hmm. the time you give up and then you know the the time you give up in your formative years and you have families and everything else i mean these people just genuinely care yeah you know and so that that was really not that i thought differently of people but just to see that just the more you see it yeah exactly you know and some of the therapists that would come to our house and work with Griffin, whether it's OT or PT or speech or any of that. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. We have people like that, yeah. you know, they just give their time and, and um, make that their profession. So, um, yeah, I mean, to your point, I, I think that there are so many people that just, you know, truly want to do good. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's like, you hear anybody that they, they look for their purpose in life and everybody always, I was actually talking to my girlfriend yesterday. I'm like, 
yeah, like, what, what do you want to do with, like, what, what do you feel passionate about? She's like, I feel passionate about helping people. And you can do that in so many different, so many different ways. ways. Yeah. yeah. Like, you could, and I brought up to her, and I'm like, you like country music, you like dance. Like, she was a dancer. I was like, you could literally teach dance to give yeah, other people to, happiness. Yeah, give, give people happiness. Give, go teach two-step to kids in the hospital. Exactly. You're giving back to the community. You're finding purpose, and you just feel better as a feel as better, a human right? because yeah. you're now giving giving away something. And you probably seem like the world to that person. Oh, who's yeah. Receiving it too, they're like, "Holy cow! Like yeah. this person took this time out of my day to give back. Like they actually care." Yeah, that was probably exactly. one of my favorite things to do growing up. I did a lot of mission trip work when mm -hmm. I was in high school. Yeah. And we actually went to Chicago and cleaned up a bunch of churches, and went to Wash or, uh, West Virginia and uh, repainted this old lady's house just in yep. the middle of West Virginia. And she it was one person, one yeah. person's house, happiest person in the whole wide world. Yeah. That she's like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, baby. She's a that southern, <laughs> yeah. southern black woman, yeah. so yeah. you got that. Yeah. Thank you, baby. And she was just, like, super – and it just made – that's yeah. still some of the greatest feels I've ever experienced in my life. And I get the same thing through golf, which is kind of cool. And oh, yeah. Like what you're talking about with Griffin things yeah, and stuff exactly. along those lines. And it's just like – you don't get those feelings anywhere else. No, I know. And look, I love what I do, and I feel so fortunate that I, you know, work with great people and have, you know, great company I work for. Um, but I tell people, like, you know, if I could just drop it all tomorrow in terms of work-wise and say, what would you want to do? My utopia, and not that I'm qualified to do this, but I would love to teach golf. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, just spend time like seeing you out there late last night, you know, with that, that, uh, junior player that you were, you know, I mean, it was 110. Yeah. You know, it was pretty warm. I up mean, there. but I we mean, just fun too. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just oh, yeah. being able to be out there and helping people and you know, it's like, geez, you know, you have a good lesson or you hit some good shots. And I mean, it changed your whole outlook. It does. I mean, you walk away and it's like, all right, you know, it's yeah. just, life's good. I had a client know? today reach out, and I've been working with him since May. And our last lesson, he just hadn't figured out how to close the club face. So I literally took the club face, I shut it like 45 degrees, and I said, start hitting golf balls. Old Harvey Pennick trick that Mark and I talked about in the mm -hmm. past. And, and he went and played over in, uh, in Pebble, and he's like, man, like, I didn't play great there, but I'm playing golf. And he keeps, he's texting me like probably these novels, text messages, and like these videos, and he's like, Kurt, I'm finally playing yeah. golf. He's only yeah, been playing golf for three yeah. years. Yeah, see? And it's just like, he's ecstatic. He even commented on an Instagram post today, and he's like, if it's not coming from Kurt's mouth, I'm not listening. I'm, not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's awesome. See, I mean, that's got to make you feel great. Oh, man, and you're impacted. Awesome. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's really, it's, it's a gift, you mm -hmm. know, to be able to interact with people like that. Yeah, and, uh, I think you could teach so golf. You, can you, do you it, know, yeah. you know your way around out there. You listen yeah. to Craig and listen to Scott. And oh, yeah. Mark. You've, yeah. How, how many instructors have you took yeah, a lesson so, from? Yeah, uh, so if I turn back the clock, so my first instructor, who's not in golf anymore, but it's uh, one, of my, one of my closest friends from growing up, his, his older brother. In fact, I knew so little about golf when I started. He said, hey, my brother's a golf pro. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, so how do you do that? How do you just go play on the PGA Tour? You know, I'm right? thinking like, yeah. I didn't realize how he do you was, make it that fast? A, yeah. you know, a, a <laughs> teaching professional. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, so Brad, uh, Brad Gerke, uh, back in Illinois, and – he was my first instructor and you know i knew him personally he was older than me uh an older you know older older brother to one of my best friends 
But he just, you know, instilled so much confidence in me. He's like, hey, you know, you can, you can do this. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, he asked me to caddy for him uh, in the um, U.S. Open qualifier. And so I, I did it twice. And that was fascinating to me because I'm thinking, okay, these guys are qualifying for the U.S. Open. And their game is going to be, like, just so far superior to anything else I've yeah, seen. Yeah, everything's clicking. Yeah. And yet I went out there and they hit some bad shots and they recovered, you know? And so it was like, it was really, it was a, it was a great moment just to see, because in my mind, I was thinking that, all right, at some point in order to, to be a good golfer, you've got to hit perfect shots every time. All time. Because I had yep. no mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah. And so I see these guys, I'm like, all right, they hit a bad shot here, but then they thought about it and they recovered. And so that was really neat. And I, I mean, as Brad was, he was at, um, uh, a local club or a local course, public course, when he first got into it, and then he moved to an assistant at LaGrange Country Club, which is a um, kind of an old-school country club in the Chicago suburbs. And then he went down to Decatur, Illinois, mm -hmm. in Decatur Country Club. Interestingly enough, his head pro there um, was a guy that spent a lot of time up in the North Shore of Chicago and now is the head pro at um, Chicago Golf Club, which is, you know, like that's a top a, Yeah, that's one of the best yeah. in the nation. That's the one with the square so, greens, right? Exactly. Yeah. I've shown it to you. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, that, that's right up there that's, in terms of golf that I've yeah, played. That's pretty uh, awesome right there. You know, amazing history. You show me an aerial view of the greens and they're all squares. They're all just squares. Yeah. Yeah. All CB, CB McDonald and, yeah. you know, it's just really That's pretty, cool. pretty interesting. And, but, uh, yeah, so I've, I worked with Brad a ton of years. And then um, when I lived in the Quad Cities, I, I a pro at the, um, at the, the club that I belong to, uh, he helped me a little bit. But... Butch was funny because he was like, he goes, I'm not going out there and giving you another lesson. He's like, you're going to go out there and figure it out yourself. And so he was going to these guys like, I'm not spending another hour with you. you know? <laughs> yeah, you got to <laughs> like, figure yeah, it out. Want, yeah. you know? So anyway, that, that was always very formative. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Arizona and I, I worked with, you know, Scott for forever. And I still, I mean, I'll still go back and see Scott at least once a year. And, um, and then obviously Craig has helped me out a bunch. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten to know uh, Stan Utley. And so I've, I've, you know, worked with Stan a few times and just, and, and you know, mostly short game, but sure. just yeah. kind of just being around him for a couple hours and watching him hit shots. I mean, I would pay for him just to do that and just be right. so right. in Cause yeah. it's just, as you know, I mean, the ball just sounds different and comes off different. And so I've worked with him and then, uh, um, I've been recently, I've been working with, uh, Jake Gilmer, mm -hmm. uh, for Up the last few months as well. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, had some lessons with him and, you know, good, just another set of eyes to help me think about, you know, different, different things. Yeah. And, uh, um, so it's, you know, again, I, I love learning about the golf swing. Yeah. There's so many different ways too. You can see it as yeah. well too. There's yeah. no cookie cutter to everything. Right. It's always, right. but everybody's going to tell you kind of, yeah. or see it a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say in the last couple of years, I got into a bad spot in my takeaway where I was trying to do some things that I didn't know what I was doing. Nobody taught me. It was things that I was just trying on my own. And so, like, if I really look back and say, okay, when I was playing my best, um, it was different. But I didn't know, you know, how to necessarily say, okay, well, what was different? How, yeah, the and feeling of it. seeing Jake mm -hmm. has really helped me just to say, okay, because he had never seen my swing. He's like, hey, look, he's like, you're athletic, and you've obviously shot some good scores, but your backswing and your turn is really problematic because I was just kind of sitting into it, and then I had nowhere to go but then to throw it from the inside. And mm -hmm. so, I, I mean, if somebody said – that little – Yeah, yeah exactly. I had, to, I had to flip it, and, uh, and somebody said, hey, go, go hit a cut. 
mean, all I could do was hit like a straight push. Yeah. That would be, uh-huh. that would be a big slice for me. <laughs> yeah. So that's been helpful just to kind of get out of that, you know, funk and, and just be more athletic with it. So and you um, learned a different shot too. And now you actually yeah. learn how to hit a fade. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. And a real fade at that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I see pieces of it, you know, coming together and you know, I work at it. Oh yeah. So yeah, you're um, out there more than anybody. Yeah. And, and, and in a, a way, in a way I should, maybe I should be getting more out of it <laughs> because <laughs> I am out there so much, but for the most part, that's just good, you know, time for me to get away and, that's Spend a game. 45 minutes. Yeah, it's just like yeah. life, though. You can't figure this yeah. game out. The yes. game, yeah. It's yeah. different every single day. And exactly. You, you come to an instructor, you're like, I want to be more consistent. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do that. And not realize that's that the your hardest body's thing different to do. and your well, mind's different. And one of the best, different, one of the best lines and ribs I've ever received. I thought I was getting some sage advice. Scott gave it to me. I was playing in the Mesa City Amateur one year. And I had a good round going for me. You know, I was probably – right around par one under or so at the time and there was this par three and it was like a you know a six iron or something and I I hit it up there just on the right side of the green not a bunker around just perfect lie and I'm looking at this thinking that okay if this doesn't go in I'm going to tap this in for a three and then the next one was a real short par four that I could get up around the green I'm already thinking like how can I make two two you know I'm like I'm, I'm literally thinking this I walk off the par three with a six and I, I was so dumbfounded, like, what just happened? You know, I was just – so I'm telling Scott this. And he's, like, nodding his head, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so wh- how did you hit this? And I, he said, well, you know what that is. And I'm thinking, like, he's going to tell me he's the good. secret. Yeah, he's, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> and he leans over and he said, that's amateur golf. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And so I was like, yeah, you know, good, good point. Yep. You know, it's like going yeah, back to your caddy days, thinking of the recovery shots. Exactly. You know? Yeah, take yourself out of the presence a little bit. You're just, I've done that so many times on the golf course. Like, this round's going good. Usually it's oh, about yeah. 14, 15. And then wheels fall off. It's like yeah. Bogey, double, whatever it be. Right. Your round's shot. And right. after that, it is just, it, really amazing. And I am certainly not great at it, but I've gotten better. Yeah. But I think back to that and thinking, like, I literally thought, if I don't make this chip, I mean, it's just going to be up there where I'm just going to sure. tap yep. it in. Tap it in. Let's go to next hole. Skull it. Miss another shot. Three putts. Yep. Boom. Easy six. Yep. Easy six. That's what happens. <laughs> it happens easily on the golf course. Oh, as soon as you start thinking about what's going to be next, you forget yeah, to be, you forget right. to be present. And right. right. that old saying, counting your chickens before they hatch. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's all goes. It's so funny. My mom has all these little, little sayings that my grandma gave her. Yeah. And like she gets Midwest the, sayings. From, yeah. From the Bible and stuff like uh-huh. that. And it's like everything comes back to just staying present. Right. Like one shot at a time. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? Yeah. Like my old my old head pro used to tell me when I was growing up. He's like, you gotta play every shot like it's your last shot. I was like, what the hell yeah. do you mean every yeah. shot's my last shot? Like, am I gonna die after I hit this one? Like, exactly. If I hit this one. Like, whatever. It's gonna go somewhere. Or you yeah, you hear people say, um, and I still don't understand what this means, but you hear people say it's like I need to get out of my own way. Yeah. Like, what does that no, mean? I'm not yeah. Sure. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It's all yeah. these basic sayings, but it's, a, it's how a, do you actually do it? Yeah, right. that's the toughest thing. Right. And uh, yeah, and, and so you know, to me, it makes what those guys do every week on the PGA Tour even more impressive. Like, forget their ability, like of yeah, hit the ball it three fifty or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, just the fact that they can go out there, and and I'm sure they wake up some days and they go out to the driving range, and it's different than the day before. Yeah, I'm and for them to you know, be able to like, just have the mental fortitude to get over that yeah. and stand over putts. And, you know, I mean, 
It's you, interesting when you hear the best guys talk about it, like Jack talked about it, and he's like, oh, if I'm playing a draw, I'm going to play a draw. Or if I'm hitting a draw, I'm playing a draw. If I'm hitting a fade, I'm playing a fade. Right? Yeah, They're not fighting it. No. He's no. like, this grip feels right into this hole. And, you know, like He used to change his grip on every single, like almost every single hole in this putting. When his putting is just like, like, what? The best golfer of all time changed his grip every single time he played golf almost? like. And Phil used to do that quite a bit, too. I, yeah. I don't know if he still does. Tiger but. does the same thing. He changes yeah. his grip on almost every pitch shot, whatever felt comfortable Is at that, that right? point yeah. in time. I never he brings it that. back to that state. So it's just that. like sometimes you just play with what you, right. what what you, have, you have that day, what you feel confident doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like Faldo, he had four shots he'd hit. Whatever the easiest one for that day was, he'd hit it. It's just, yep. Whether it's a low it's, fade, a, a low a, hook, it sounds you know, so simple. Though, I know he had four <laughs> four stock shots that he'd practice all the time, and he got really good at them. And then whatever was the easiest for him that day, he just played it. That's what he pulled off. Yeah, I mean these are major champion winners. Yeah. Jack did it like all the time. But looking at like amateurs, what don't they ever want to change? The grip. Like the grips, they don't want to change anything. <laughs> yeah, I, want to, I want to, I want to keep my golf swing the exact same, but I but want to get a better. lot better. Yeah, <laughs> get a lot better. Yeah, give me that natural swing, but well, I got to change some stuff to get that natural swing. Yeah, but it's the most uncomfortable thing. But it could be the smallest change oh, yeah. that has the biggest impact on it. Exactly. I had a client yeah. ask me the other day. He's like, my dad asked me to ask you this question. What about <laughs> Mo Norman's golf swing? I'm like, oh, well, Norman hit balls until his hands bled. <laughs> like, yeah. If you want to hit balls until your hands bleed, you can go ahead and try to swing like more Norman, or you can do what I'm asking you. Yeah, to do. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. I'm sure exactly. his body build is maybe a little different maybe than Mo Norman bit. too. It's funny. That'll that'll Mo change. Both talk about his golf swing on YouTube oh, yeah. and stuff like that. I know. But yeah, yeah. It's he's just, the most shallow person ever. That club's coming in. I don't even. Oh, yeah. Forty degrees from the inside, his right elbow is leading so much. I, I can't get not a chance. Yeah, I mean, they say he was just. I've seen probably watched the same YouTube videos yeah. you have, you know, and he just would just everything. Now Craig has said he, Mo Norman was not very long though, mm. and so I don't know if that you know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a lot of rotation with his body, very straight golf swing, so there's not much whip. And how mm-hmm. Craig teaches a big, much yeah. more of a release. Yeah, yeah. And Mo wouldn't. It's more of a body more release. Body but you see rotation. a lot of guys now kind of doing the same thing, playing with stronger faces and oh yeah, releasing the body harder. Right. Maintain face stabilization because now TrackMan has. And I know Scott's big a tra- big TrackMan oh, yeah. guy and yep. rate of closure and all that stuff. Yeah, it and gives you all. We kind yeah, of you're forget not guessing that as much. No, exactly. We kind yeah, of forget that we're playing stability. golf though. Yeah, right. We're, we're not. We're not. We're not trying yeah, to get numbers on the TrackMan. We're <laughs> right. trying. We're trying to get a golf ball into the hole, and I think. A lot of people forget that, especially in the amateur level. And it's just like we start seeing these guys and these club parameters and these golf swings that look so beautiful on on TV. And it's like you got to remember these guys are playing golf; they're not playing golf swing. And when they're playing golf swing, they're probably on the not yeah, the, not yeah they're, the cut. they're not making the cut. They're, they're not playing on the weekend. You're sitting there watching the guys on the backside on on the on Friday pulling their hair out, shooting 79s, and it's just that's the way it is. It's totally true. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it just it's amazing that people can make their living doing this. Yeah, you know, like playing every week. Yeah, but I mean, even you said it right when you were talking about Griffin, man. Griff reminded you to live in that present. Oh yeah, and it's just like that same thing. It's just you can take that mindset and place it into your game of golf or any aspect. And my dad was reading this book about. And I'm not a finance guy by any means, but they were talking about the the market and just understanding like. Your things happen in the market. You stay in that present moment. You understand. You're not freaking out. Right. 
like the market goes to shit one day and the next day it's going back to normal and it's like if you stay in it for the long right long-term process just like golf if you stay constant with a thought process and constant with the strategy and constant with your mind you actually end up coming out of that funk that we all talk about getting ourselves into and things along those lines like always darkest before the dawn yeah i mean like i think we've all probably experienced that where you know you get into a stretch where you're not playing good golf and it's like will i ever yeah play good golf again right once it's gonna stop it could take six months you you look at you look at like you know your score history and i'm like oh my god am i ever gonna you know and then you go out and you shoot a good number you know it's (laughs) like okay exactly Exactly. the tinkering game that's easy to get into Oh yeah. When you just don't see the results fast enough and just staying patient with whatever you're changing, just one swing thought, stick to that for a while. Well, that's one thing you guys know is that my bag doesn't change. Mm-mm. Like I, like I put something in there, I wear it out. We have a few like members that couple, <laughs> go the other direction. completely opposite direction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I, 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 without naming names, one of them, and this is probably one of my best one liners. Um, one of them, we were on the range and, he said, uh, you know, I've had these irons now for over 90 days. And you can't return them now. I said, I said, I bet that was order date. <laughs> not, not actual re- receipt <laughs> date. a great line. Oh, my goodness. Oh. That's a great line. He's probably, he's probably thinking he's got 10 more days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. And I, I love those guys, too. I mean, I love talking clubs with them. So and I've, I've, I've told him. He, he, would, he would know that, uh, that I said that. Like, oh, it's yeah, not yeah. Me. This is trying to get the edge. I mean, that's what the guys that play, they have personal trainers, physio, everybody that travels with them with sleep regiments, nutrition. They're always trying to find just a golf ball, something to give them that advantage. And it could be the smallest thing in the world that helps them win a major, gets their first win off of it. It's, it's, it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the number of people yeah. that these guys have, um, hundred, looking out after teams. everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know they're all, everybody they have are, you know, really talented you know, I know we were watching uh, Justin Rose warm up at uh, at Medina, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, to me, his swing has improved so much over the years. Like, I, I mean, it's to me very technical, and yeah. he gets into some really interesting warm up. Yeah, at the top of the swing, yeah. it's got a lot better. But because yeah, he used yeah. to be lifted and pretty, I mean, very little turn, and club was yeah, club was pointed to his shoulder. But there's no depth in his golf right, swing right. now. He's gotten a lot better turn. And but I mean, he had. Spot. He had Sean Foley out there with him on the, the, the driving range. Yeah. And they were working on a number of things and just kind of checking out all the, the numbers. And then you go over to the putting green and different guy. It's putting coach. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's not that's not uncommon out there. No. no. So I don't all. know if you might work with Phil Kenyon. He's uh, yeah, tough. so I, I didn't know what, what Phil Kenyon looked like, and I, I'm guessing maybe that's who it was, but that's who I may have thought because I know he's kind of the – the, the new putting guru on on tour it seems yeah then they might see working with stan then on wedges yeah or james seekman like no yeah. it's funny they specialize in different areas of it and you just get really really good at that area i know and just imagine being able to, <laughs> to practice and then have fully out there for your full swing and then seekman for your wedges yeah. and brad faxon helping you with putting i know so have craig that's, back there just craig back yeah exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, one. that's right <laughs> yeah where you're getting the best information through all these guys who've been teaching for 20, 30 oh, years. Yeah. You know, they've seen so much. And all the data and that they have now and just, you know, putting it all together. It's, uh, it's you know, big business and mm-hmm. quite the science to it. Yeah. 
That's why I think a lot of amateurs don't really see that they're with all these coaches so much, and then they come get a lesson with me and Kurt, maybe once a month, and think I got a magic pill or something. Oh, yeah. Like, no. You don't got aim your don't shoulders. Don't let them fool you, folks. Yeah, we got the magic pill. Come see us for an hour. Magic how, pills. Yeah. No. How, uh, how, much, how much would you say your average student, like if you see someone once a month, and if they were honest with you, how much practice would they do in that month? Uh, on average yeah. for the client, probably two rounds and probably maybe three to four hours of range. Okay. Total. 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 Yeah. Unless and it's like a college player, junior player. Or right. Yeah. That yeah, be, yeah. But yeah. just your normal. And the guy I mentioned earlier, he literally goes to the golf course every single day at 5 a.m. Oh, okay. And he's went from in May yeah. to now he's dropped six strokes off his handicap. Yeah. So, I mean, you have the guys, if you put into the work like yourselves, like you can make substantial oh, yeah. improvement very, very quickly. But if you have the kind of the average ones, they only spend about an hour and then come see you another month down the road and they've right. only spent maybe quick fix kind two, of three yep, hours right. down the road. Right. You're really not going to see that much improvement that quickly. It's going to take probably three or four years oh, yeah. at that rate, at maybe, that rate, yeah. maybe yeah. longer. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, th- you think about the greatest golfer of all time, in my opinion, Tiger Woods, when him and Butch were making that change, he was literally hitting golf balls for eight hours a day doing freezer drills, trying to make an adjustment from, I don't know, maybe four degrees, the club face. His club face was slightly closed in the 90s, and then he went to a little bit more open to some people's opinion now, but pretty square. Some more neutral. Mm-hmm. So neutral, and it was probably maybe five degrees, four degrees tops of – change in the club face and the shaft maybe changed maybe three or four degrees and it took him over a year to figure yeah, like, yeah no, that's, you that's think a about long process that's, that's a that's the best golfer of all time exactly and we're sitting out here trying to teach somebody that can hardly move that <laughs> yeah. wants to go from a 22 to a, a six right. in a month time frame it just doesn't work that way and there's that's that, that perspective and the kind of you mentioned earlier when you were caddying it's like these guys do screw up, and we do have that thought process as golfers. I've been stuck in that thought process. Like, I need to play perfect golf. Have you ever watched that documentary series on Netflix where they had the uh, the the uh, the Open Champion winners? It's uh, Jack, Tom Watson, Tiger, uh, Darren Clark, and then. Oh, was it on the Golf Channel? It might have been on the Golf Channel too. Like yeah, uh, it was called. Uh, thoughts of a champion or something yeah. like that mm-hmm. or yeah yeah, yeah and you hear tom I, watson and t- you hear them all talk about playing their c game and winning right and especially right. over there and overseas and yes. it's just like we forget that so much as golfers that it doesn't need to be perfect you just need to figure out what's perfect yeah, that that's day. when he made his breakthrough mm-hmm. when he's like i can win on these golf courses not play my best because you can you don't even tiger says all the time like people hit it further than him people hit it ball striking wise better they wedged it better. They putted better. But he just encompassed everything total. Was his mental game was probably the I'd say his mental game topped everybody. Yeah. But that's how he won so much because he kind of realized at a younger age that I don't have to stripe it, hit 14 fairways, hit 10 fairways. I just need to get around the golf course yeah. and play really within myself. Yeah. And not trying to take on too much because when you take on too much, that's when you get the blow-ups. And yeah. one two shots that loses a tournament. That's where that's that that par three. That par three still is. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but um, I've gotten to play in quite a few pro ams. And one year, played with Jonathan Bird, 
mm-hmm. who Mike Hicks was his caddy, and okay. Mike Hicks was Payne Stewart's caddy when he beat Phil in '99. You know, oh like yeah, the guy mm-hmm. who came in and ran, ran and wrapped his legs around yeah. you know, Payne Stewart. You definitely remember the shot. Anyway, so we were playing with him. This would have been back in I think like '07 at the John Deere Classic. And so he was telling us stories. And one of the stories he told us was that when he was still caddying for Payne Stewart, they were down in Isleworth, and they got to the course, and they were going to play around. Got out there, they're going to go to the range. They see Tiger on the putting green, putting this, like, four- or five-foot putt. Warm up, come back, tee off, 40 minutes later, whatever, still putting the same putt. Make the turn. Tiger was still there putting the same putt. Finished around, Tiger hadn't moved. Hitting the same <laughs> four putt. hours. Go in, have a beer, whatever. Still out there, and so he said. Payne Stewart was just flabbergasted. Like, what is this kid doing? You know, like he hasn't. It seems like he hasn't moved. So he said he walked out there. He said, "What are you doing? What's going on?" <laughs> yeah. You know? And he said, "Oh, he's like, well, I don't." I don't leave until I make a hundred in a row. And so, you know, whether you make a hundred or 80 or 70, I mean, he said that was one thing, but just to have the mental fortitude to be able to stand in one spot and hit those putts. And as the pressure continues to build, like keep draining them. I mean, talk about some mental training. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's, I, it's, mean, it's I just, hope he used a towel there. Otherwise, he's going to put some foot yeah, on the green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That thing's going to be yeah. three, three feet into the ground. It's not going to be exactly. too You can't make it. It's now it's breaking left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a little bit lower now. But isn't that unreal? That's unreal. Know? And then I've read about, um, and I remember some golf channel specials, like a playing lessons with the pro, who the guy has, has since passed away of cancer, but um, Bruce Litsky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's that story about him where – he said to his caddy at the end of the year, the tour championship would have been in November at that, that point in time. And he said, I'm going to put these clubs away. He said, I'm not getting them until the first tournament next year. And his caddy's like, oh, come on, that's not true. Not a chance. So he put a banana in his travel bag. And he said he got to the tournament like three or four months later, and that banana was rotten in there. <laughs> he had not touched his clubs. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and that's what they say is, I, I mean, Mark Mark would be able to tell you more about Litsky because he was a Texas guy, but he said, like, he could just show up yeah. and not touch a club for a couple months and just hit the just same go. shot, hit that you big cut. You got it or you don't. Yeah, you got it or you <laughs> Isn't don't. Isn't that crazy, though? Yeah, I think, I mean, the two ends day. of the spectrum. I mean, obviously, yeah. I'm not comparing Bruce Litsky's career to Tiger, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. in fact, I mean, these were elite players. He also players. played a tour for oh, a yeah, long forever. period of time. Yeah, yeah. it's just forever. two total different spectrums. That's crazy. I used to do my old coach used to have me do a similar drill. He's like, you have to make three foot, four foot, five foot putt twenty five times in a row from each spot. So seventy seventy five putts total before you can go home. My mental fortitude, I'd make twenty five and be like, I'm good with that one. Then make twenty five from the next, the next one. one. Yeah. Like I'd miss one. You're supposed to start over from from the you stay beginning. At four feet. I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I said, it's getting a little I would have made that. Yeah. <laughs> I would have made that. In my, if it was a tournament, I'd focus a little bit more. Like, So it's just kind of, it's interesting, like, hearing actually what it truly takes, like, mentally for those guys. Like, it's just unreal because I was like, screw that. I'm like, huh? I'm good I'm, at three feet. I already made 25. Yeah, I made 25. And it was back. like, hey, I might have missed six or seven in there, but I made 25. <laughs> What's that? Well, you know, I'm a big Stricker fan being an Illini, but, uh, you know, didn't he make, like, it was like 480 
putts under five feet in a row or something. It's something ridiculous. It's something crazy. I don't know what it was. Steve went on tour like for two or three seasons without making a double bogey. When he was playing his best after his renaissance here? Yep. Yeah, like in the 2000s. I I can't remember exactly what time frame it was, but it was like it was a a couple-year span without making a double. And like – it's very impressive Steve, with all the majors yeah, too. Steve's that you play not in. a Steve's not a long player. Or no, something. no, it's no, going to no. overpower a golf course. No. So you're like, but his irons were just so oh, money. And, uh, and he played everything kind of the same, like putter, putter bag, like everything's kind of very upright with his setup and body body turn. One of our buddies, Derek, that uh, teaches down in Tucson, Derek Dominski, actually had him on the podcast and one of the first couple ones. Huge Steve. Strick, oh, really? Like, huge Steve Strick fan. He actually caddied for not caddied for, but. Uh, was the instructor for uh, what was this? Sung, no, I don't know. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. I, the, the Asian dude that has a crazy finish. Have you seen that? Oh yeah. The, and he played the he played in the John Deere yeah, this year, and we De- saw him. Derek was coaching him. So you might have saw Derek when okay. you were there this year. But yeah, he had some wild warm ups. Like the guy, he <laughs> would he would take the club and he would like slow motion follow through. And he would like follow the club all the way up and like wrap his head around. I mean, it was like just some <laughs> wild, wild stuff, wild you know. Stuff, yeah. But it was cool. He had a like he wore a John Deere hat while he was yeah. at the tournament, you know, and just it was really, really wild. But That's uh, awesome. but yeah, Stricker, um, he was at the I went to the University of Illinois um, uh, event last year in the fall over at Olympia Fields, and uh, he was there doing a clinic the morning of the the, the tournament, and he said that. I never heard anybody say this, but he said, so for him, you know, his left hand, he said he grips the putter so tight that after he uh, practices that his hand and wrist will be fatigued. Really? He wow. just locks it just in. Just that grip pressure? Yeah. Huh. He just squeezes it as hard as he can. He locks it in. Huh. And I th- I've never heard somebody say yeah, something like that. You know, no. Just the opposite. Almost like, yeah. you know, remember with Duvall, he would like almost say like the, the putter would like fall out of his hands. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good putters that did that that way. Yeah. Very, very light grip pressure. Thank you, Ben Shaw. You hear him talking, but it's kind of right. bouncing the club. And yeah. and even Butch, when he was working with Tiger, was, Tiger's like, you can't, he's like, you can't hold the putter that heavy. You can't. And they had like this little sensor in the grip that like buzzed if you held it too hard. Yeah. And that's when Tiger started kind of listening to Ben and having that kind of. Yeah, I know. It's very I know. different from. More. Because he listened to, because him and Steve used to spend a lot of time together, totally, and talking totally. about that kind of stuff. So it's interesting, kind of. That's completely. I know, but he said he would lock this wrist, and he, you know, pull. That's, that's like how uh, Webb Simpson's putt now. I know. I mean, he locks it in there and runs it up. Now he's one of the Just top five putters on yeah, tour. Keeps it square, so yeah. longer. Yeah, I know. Just not going to release a whole lot though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I, I I don't understand the concept of like they, they have to release it somehow, but I don't know how mm-hmm. they get around it if you're the ball whatever, goes whatever in gets the ball, the ball in the hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's so I'm like, ah, whatever you do, if the ball goes in the hole, do it that way. That's Wasn't right. Seekman telling talking about uh, Stricker's putting stroke, how he blocks everything online. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I believe it. The first time when that would, you, be, yeah, when that would be taking away that release because he kind of blocks everything just a little bit right, and if it goes yeah, in, it goes years in. ago. I heard Stan Utley say something along the lines of, um, I've seen good putters that have pushed it, but I've never seen a good putter that pulls that it. That pulls it in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, because I always feel like if you watch Tiger when he was playing his best, especially like a left to right putt, it, it almost looked like he, he would push it. You know, he wouldn't, like his feet would be farther left than where he started the ball, yep. and he pushed it down mm-hmm. there. And uh, again, that's visually what, yeah. what it looked like to me. 
Yeah, the toughest thing he had was releasing on left to right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he'd practice releasing a little bit more to kind of get that back. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. For a right-handed player. Yeah. Does yeah? I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But then he won a lot of tournaments. You know, you get over there because then you get into tournament play. It's all right. I can block this in the hole very easy. You know, you, it goes back to getting that feels for that day. And then when he's practicing, he just he'd really focus on that. So he does a lot of one hand only drills, that yeah. right hand only, just yeah. to get that putter head to swing close. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So changes a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. It's always changing. I know. It yeah, again, I mean it's just pretty amazing game. You know, I think about it, you can do all these different things, everybody does it a little differently and um different results. Right. Yeah. So, What's really the best cool. story that you've had? We'll kind of wrap it up here soon. With uh Joe and his, his caddy and uh, Ricky that you've had. Oh, well, I mean, the one I go the, back to um, is, uh, w- again, this is more about Griffin than me, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I was yeah. happened to be Griffin's caregiver, essentially, so I yeah. was uh, tagging along. But it was um, maybe a couple of years after we, we, we met Ricky, and Griffin was out on the, the putting green again, and Ricky was doing some interviews. And... So, again, I mean, I always try to be as respectful and just not one of those people that's hovering over. You sure. Because, yeah. I mean, they're, they're there to work. And, <laughs> yeah. And so I had Griffin, um, and uh, at the time he was starting to have kind of a hard time getting around because of some of the steroids he was on. And so he was still able-bodied, but he wasn't as, as comfortable. And, and, and so, first of all, let me back up, Griffin that day, we had to sneak a club into the Phoenix Open for him because when we said we were going to the tournament, he's like, man, I'm playing. Like, I'm yeah. going, I'm like, all right, all right. All right. You know? we'll, we'll get your club. again, we'll I mean, he's, he's four, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's um, – you can really reason. But so we're on the putting green, and Ricky's being interviewed and a couple more interviews, and then he finally stopped. He said, hey, he said, guys, I, I got to go say hi to a buddy of mine. And so he came over and, you know, found Griffin, and he was uh, just kind of connecting with Griffin. And then he um, – it was when uh, it was Snapchat was was kind of becoming Just beginning. yeah, yeah kind of you know becoming mm-hmm. a little bit more mainstream and popular. And he said, "Hey, do you mind if I take a picture, or, or would you take a picture of Griffin and I?" He said, "I'm going to post it on Snapchat." I'm like, "Oh yeah, of course." So he gave me his phone, and I took some pictures of him. And and the the, the picture was really neat because Ricky had put up in the top said one of my good buddies, Griffin, and so it was a picture of the two of them. And um, so we're standing there, and he said, "So." what are you guys up to, you know, right now? I said, oh, we're, you know, nothing. We're just kind of hanging out. And he said, well, Griffin, he said, do you want to want to go out to the driving range? And literally my, my immediate thought was, was like, I don't know if Griffin wants to go, but I'll you go. want to go. Griffin, come along. Exactly. But I'll go. So again, kind enough mm-hmm. to take us out there and he and Joe were working and warming up. And, um, um, uh, I just remember that because, you know, Griffin was in it, I mean, all of his glory, you know, being out there. But, you know, he did not see himself as like, oh, hey, I'm invited out here. He saw himself as, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Like, I'm where, here. where do where, I hit? Like, right? where's, where's, where's my spot, where's you know? And so he had this club with him. And I was just trying to reason with him, like, yeah, I'm like, you know, you really can't jump in here because these guys are practicing. And he, he was like, no, you know, I was like, I, it was like, he was pointing to these open spots. These are my Titleist balls. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that was one. And then, then the other one was actually with Jonas Blix. We were invited to this event by Ricky, and Jonas was there. And um, 
great guy. I mean, I, I don't know him well, but I've met him a couple times and just a, you know, really, really good guy. And Jonas has his bag of clubs and he was playing Cobra. That's his connection to, to Ricky. What's Ricky? Know, being yeah. a Cobra mm-hmm. Puma guy. And Jonas was kind enough to come over and introduce himself to Griffin. And he said, uh, he said, Griffin, he's like, do you want to hit one of my clubs? And so he hands him the club and Griffin flips it around, looks at the badge on the back. Oh, no. Shakes it back, (laughs) gives it back to him. (laughs) Not interested. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) same Titleist. Exactly. (laughs) So. It turns him down. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, and that just gives you an idea of, um, you know, again, who Griffin His perspective on how he's seen things. He expected to be a certain place, and he was always, um, you know, just felt like he belonged. Like, he didn't Uh see himself with limitations Uh or... And so, I mean, I think about a number of those stories, you know, that That's are, so are awesome. some of my mm-hmm. favorites and just, you know, really, again, very heartwarming, you mm-hmm. know, to think back about all those things. And we remember them every day, obviously. And, and I know all those people that I'm talking about, they do too, yeah. you know, and that's, which is great. So well, Jim, thanks for coming yeah. on. Hey, this is yeah, great guys. Thank I'm you. honored. And, yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So, good um, luck with everything. I appreciate it. I yeah. appreciate you, man. I'm excited for both so of you. So we're, uh, we're, as we close out here, where can everybody find more information out about the 4Griffin Foundation? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so 4Griffin Foundation, you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram under 4Griffin, and that's F-O-R-E. And then our website is 4GriffinFoundation.org. That's F-O-R-E, GriffinFoundation.org. And, um, yeah, you can learn about kind of our mission and some a little bit of look into Griffin's life. Uh, there's a neat video out there um, and a little bit about, you know, the events that, that we've uh, done. And, again, this is just – we're just kind of starting. Yep. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I got to – you know, we're, we're thankful for a lot of people helping us out with that. And so, yeah, thanks for asking, and I encourage everybody to, you know, take a look. And, for sure. And uh, interested in um, being a part of it in some way, you can certainly reach out to us. And uh, yeah, we're we're excited about the future of it. Love it. That's so, awesome. Yeah, the golf awesome. tournament coming up next year. Yep, yep. That's the plan. Uh, we're, we're we're right now we're targeting um, March 30th, and we're gonna we're gonna nail that down. And uh, yeah, we'll have foursomes available. There's also some volunteer opportunities, and you know, people to go out and watch for hole in ones. And of course, we had two of those last year, if you remember. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, you you can, you can participate, you can play, and come to the silent auction and little you know gala event the night before. You can volunteer. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to to get involved, and we would uh, we'd welcome everybody. So, awesome. Yeah, I appreciate great, it, guys. Thank you. Cool. Appreciate right. you coming. Thank on. you. Thanks. Thanks, Jim.